Hi, everybody. This is Trevin McGee from Lawrence.com, and I'm here with Eric Moline from ScenesStealers.com. Mm. And mm-hmm. what's wrong, buddy? You know, I just, uh, nobody likes me. What? Yeah, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm just feeling a little uh, alienated. Uh, <laughs> it's Alien Week uh, here on no. Scene Stealers. What an intro. Why did you? What an intro. Why did you do that? I'm telling you, if there was a Pulitzer why? Prize for podcasts, we would not win it. Um, yeah, it's Alien Week. They've got the big uh, UFO uh, summit here in town in Lawrence, Kansas. And uh, there's a big uh, film opening up in, in theaters this weekend starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost about an alien. Named Paul. Named Paul. A talking alien named Paul. Friendly little alien. Voiced by Mr. Seth Rogen. So, yeah, we're going to talk about Paul today. We're going to have a review of that. And then I'm going to go with Trevin. We're going to go a little bit into uh, a top uh, five or top ten list or however many we feel like talking about uh, UFO movies or first contact movies. In other words, not the films like, you know, where there's just an alien in the film or not films where it's not really the central premise. But the idea is that human beings have made contact with aliens and and we'll talk about the first time. Yeah, for the first time. We'll talk about some of those movies as well. Trip, huh? Yeah. On a tour of America's most famous UFO hotspots. I hear that. I cannot believe we're going to see Area 51. Uh, hi. I'm Paul. <laughs> what have you done to him? He fainted. Yeah, but you made him faint. But it's not like I set my phaser to faint. You've got a phaser? <sighs> I really need your help. This is a matter of life and death. Heads up. We just got reassigned. I want E.T. back in his fishbowl or dead ASAP. Hey! Ah! Reese's Pieces! Yes, thank you. What if he and Sessa prove into our you-know-what? Apparently they don't do that. Anyone want one of these? Eh? Anyone? Eh? Warning. <gasps> He's from another world. He cannot be from space. It's not possible. You saw it for yourself. He's right there. Are they looking? Are they looking right now? <laughs> How did you go invisible? Like Predator. It's a camouflage response, so you can do it anytime you want. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Have you gentlemen seen anything unusual this evening? No, not really. Oh! oh! Guys, this is too dangerous. I can make it on my own from here. We are in this together, Paul. Tell me which way the little green guy went. Why are we holding hands? So we look like a family. Just a couple of regular guys walking down the street with a small cowboy. Break it down, boys. Stoke the fire. This is the most fun I have ever had. Do you think he'll be okay? Yeah, he'll be fine. Don't worry, I got it all under control. What are you doing? Just watch. (laughs) It's a miracle. (laughs) Why would you do that? I'm not going to eat a dead bird, am I? Yeah, so so Paul is as I said before, it's it's uh, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, mm-hmm. and they're working for the first time as a comedy duo without their director, 
Uh, Edgar Wright is the guy who uh, co-wrote, along with Simon Pegg, Shaun of the Dead yeah. and Hot Fuzz, which uh, are both really movies of the same ilk. And uh, they did the TV show Space together. That's right, right. Um, but but I kind of consider those movies to be not just parody films, but rather tributes. I think mm-hmm. that they're loving tributes to genres sure. and, and obviously the zombie film and then action movies in, in Hot Fuzz. And Edgar Wright has this really... Uh, significant stylistic presence as yeah. a filmmaker. And yeah. so he's really able to uh, use a lot of the techniques and things that those genres use to, to make their movies exciting and to make them come alive. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Paul... This one's directed by Greg Matola. Yeah, it was directed by Greg Matola, uh, who previously did uh, Superbad and Adventureland, mm-hmm. um, and a f- little film about uh, 10 or 11 years ago called The Day Trippers, which was really great. He also worked on Undeclared and Freaks and Geeks yeah. as well. One of those Apatow guys. Yeah, but, um, you know, so so really this movie is, is co-written. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of Simon Pegg co-writing it with Edgar Wright, he's co-written this one with Nick Frost. Ah. And so uh, as he was busy working on Scott Pilgrim, um, these guys worked on Paul together. And, and, and you know, in, in my estimation, I think Matola is a filmmaker with a lot of heart. I think Super, Super Bad was a really funny film. Um, but if it wasn't for Matola, I don't think that the relationship between the two guys, the bromance, if you will, wouldn't, would, would have, you know, come, come across as well. Yeah. Uh, and uh, obviously Adventureland is one of my favorite films of the last five years. I think that is just perfectly realized um, when it comes to that feeling of <laughs> of alienation, not knowing uh, what your life's going to be like when you get out of college. And that was marketed as a super bad, and it's distinctly not. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people hated it because they said, oh, it, it wasn't yeah, funny. Yeah, actually, and- I remember I was working with somebody that, that went to see it um, and yeah, they they came back and were very disappointed. In Which it. is a whole other topic, actually. One of these days, we should talk about the fact that because you have an expectation for a film and it doesn't meet that expectation, doesn't mean it's a bad film. You should try taking into consideration the film on its own terms. So, no, uh, never. <laughs> so, in my estimation, stay away from trailers. That's the number one rule. You trailers are the you worst. You say that, but which you just cheated on a trailer. Recently. Oh yeah, I did. I watched Super Eight. Yeah, yeah, which is ironic because it's it's might might be a first contact movie. We don't really know, but it is yeah. it is an alien movie. It is an alien movie. So yeah. I do break the rules every now and then, but for the most part, I try to stay away from trailers. All right, let's get back on Paul. Back on Paul. Well, here's the thing. I've been leading up to this uh, talking about the movie because. You know, there's a lot of things that that surround it. There's a lot of reasons to frame this and put it into perspective because essentially what we're talking about is Matola's worst movie okay. and Simon Pegg and Nick Frost's worst movie right. together as yeah. a duo. Uh, I think Run, Fat Boy, Run <laughs> and some of the other things that Simon Pegg has done have, have been really minor and – uh, not very some not very good films, but uh, this one with with those two guys in it is still a little bit of a disappointment. Yeah, and especially coming from Matola, who I thought has done great work in the past. Paul is is a very specific, slight little charming comedy. It's not mm. laugh out loud, and and basically, uh, I'm giving it uh, on on the site. I'm giving it a minor rock fist up because like Cedar Rapids, I think this movie exists to make you smile mm-hmm. the whole time and invest yourself in the characters, which Matola does again very well. But when it comes to making you laugh out loud or having these these great moments in it, it simply doesn't have them. I think Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig, who are also in Adventureland, 
aren't aren't really used that well here. Jason Bateman is in the movie as well. There's a a whole cast of people, and yeah. let's not talk about the cameo in case in I, case I you know. are about to reveal it. No, I wanted I, to I actually am completely oblivious. Okay, to the there's a great cameo in the movie, and I went on IMDb to look at look up some stuff about the film before I watched it, and I was ruined. That cameo was ruined. So don't uh, don't learn about the cameo. Is it Zombieland good? No, it's not. It's not Zombieland good. No, but it is. It is good, and it's very. It's it fits in with the theme. Basically, these guys, uh, Peg and Frost, they're they're two British comic nerds who mm-hmm. come to Comic Con, and th- they've been dreaming of this their whole life. It's another bromance style thing, just like you know the last two movies with them. And you know these guys, um, they've they've come to Mecca, and there's all kinds of inside jokes in in there with the women walked around, walking around dressed as Princess Leah from Return of the Jedi, Leah. you know, chained up to. Uh, uh, to to Jabba. Is it Leia? Do yes. I have to say Leia? You have to. Oh, my God. <sighs> I didn't know you were such a Star Wars nerd. <sighs> that's her name. Okay. You don't go by Arik. That's true. And if you I did, don't. I would call you Arik because that's your name. Okay. Well, anyway, Trevon. So um, there's a, uh, that so often. A, whole, a whole portion of the film that is going to appeal mm-hmm. to uh, you, especially if you are a sci-fi nerd, a comic book nerd of any kind. All these jokes are, are laced in there, and they're really they're, – you know, they're, they're, the, they're the kind that will spark you know, something in somebody that knows what they're talking about and go right over the heads of, of people who don't. So I think this is a really specific movie. Now, to that point, they made this movie rated R, and there's no reason for it. You know, is I'm, it, is I'm it watching language R. Yes, there's a ton of bad language in this movie, and Kristen Wiig in particular has one joke that she runs into the ground, and it's like you know they could have gone PG-13 with this, broaden the audience a little bit more because it's already so limited. But you know what? I don't care who sees the movie. All right, I'm just going to talk about the movie as it is. Okay. I thought there was a weird undercurrent of anti-Christianity in it that was really strange. <laughs> Uh, because of the whole, you know, if there's an alien, then there can't be God, science versus religion, blah, blah, blah. And Seth Rogen is actually more laid back than I thought he would be as this alien, but he makes a couple jabs at religion, and, and they, they kind of, uh, you know, they meet some religious people that are, are fervent uh, followers, uh, and, and, and they just make fun of them. So uh, hmm. I don't know. That was a weird undercurrent as well. I, I did like the film. I have to I have to say I I didn't dislike it. It's just that it's not a it's not a major work by any of the people involved. It's really slight. It doesn't have any of the craziness that the that the last two movies had. But it is still kind of a, a tribute. It is a, a tribute in in essence. It's a road trip with an alien, um, you know, and some cops chasing him. In honor of the UFO Festival and Paul and the, the upcoming Ray, the Ray Super Kovic. 8. What's Ray, that? The Reykjavik Summit. It's, uh, yeah, what's up with that? Why is it the Reykjavik? Uh, it? Well, okay, I actually know this because of the story we did. Um, it's a take on Reykjavik. Right, the, which I just thought they misspelled or something. No, no, no. It's a take on Reykjavik, which is the city that um, uh, Reagan and uh, Yeltsin met in to uh, – have Big some, summit. Yeah, to have yeah. some armament discussions about nuclear weapons. Um, and then Kaw because of the Kaw uh, Native American uh, tribe that was in the area. So it's Ray Kovic. I get it. That's yeah. clever. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, it's only like three people will get it. About as clever as Paul. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so we, uh, I made this list, and you know what? It was a lot harder than I thought to come up with movies that that uh, took this kind of thing seriously. At the if I if I expand it out to ten, I end up with movies like uh, Independence Day <laughs> on there, uh, and and you know. Battle L.A. for, uh, you know, lack of a better uh, Transformers movie to put Transformers. on there. Transformers, sure. I mean, they're from outer space, right? Right. I wasn't really going for the fantasy aspect, though. So we're trying uh, – I'm trying to look at movies that portray this more realistically. And one of those movies is kind of an obscure film from 1996 called Fire in the Sky. Have mm-hmm. you ever seen this movie? Yeah. So it's uh, it's alien abduction, right? Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because it's it's told from the point of view of these loggers who uh, they all go out at once and they're all you know hanging out together and and one of them gets abducted, and the whole movie actually deals with the fact that. Uh, that this has happened or that they have perceived that this has happened and how everybody now perceives them after this has happened. Um, you know, so it's more of a psychological thing than, than anything else. And it doesn't focus too much on what happened while he was gone. But there are these, these moments, these uh, flashbacks to uh, the main character being abducted that are kind of frightening. Really? And yeah. I mean, like, I'd have to say that the film is mediocre, but... Those those particular scenes where you know they're they're flashing back to this alien abduction and what's happening to him, they're just rendered in a really surreal kind of way, and uh, you know up against the rest of the movie, which is you know not more of a good. well, it's just more of a realistic you know portrait of, of of what it would be like. But yeah, it's not the best movie, but uh, Fire in the Sky actually um, is worth mentioning. I think just just for that reason alone. Okay. Uh, Contact. Have you seen Contact? I have. Yes. Yeah. Let's, Jody, I'll let you Jody introduce Foster. this one. Well, Contact actually is it's it's more about the journey to First Contact than actual First Contact. But uh, Jodie Foster plays a. Uh, I guess is she an astronomer or an astrologist? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. A scientist. Yeah. She's a scientist. She works at SETI, and they get a signal uh, from outer space, and they pick it up. And when they translate it, it turns out to be an image of Hitler, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And it's because that was the first image broadcasted that was the first broadcast image so it took however long I'm, the, i can't remember when the actual um clip was shot but it takes however, however many long, light years yeah, to get from point a to point b and then, and back. then back yeah um and yeah so basically the whole movie is her preparing to go on this they they're sent blueprints on this machine to make so that they can sort of contact alien life. Right, which now reminds me of the machine uh, from Fringe, if anybody's watching that show. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's basically, I mean, it's, it's funny because it's basically a giant gyroscope. And then there's a ball, there's this little metallic sphere placed at the top, and it is supposed to be dropped down inside of the gyroscope while it's spinning at full power. And what happens is, this is actually a movie that we just brought this up in Paul, has a lot of, I mean, it kind of centers on this idea that science and religion... Uh, are at odds with each other. Yeah. And Carl Sagan, who wrote the uh, the screenplay, I believe it was what was it? A, it was a screenplay, and then he ended up turning it into a short story, and then back into a screenplay again while he was right. waiting for it to get done or something. But yeah, this is his, the the whole idea behind this is that Sagan was trying to say the two can coexist; yeah. they don't always have to be at odds. But Matthew McConaughey plays kind of the guy on the religion side of yeah. things, but. Yeah, and so uh, they build one copy of the machine, and they drop a ball into it, and it... Uh, we don't, we don't want to reveal... Well, I'm not going to tell what happens happens, but the first machine doesn't work yeah. that way. And 
then they get into some bigger um, issues and the second machine gets built. And now, the way, though, that Robert Zemeckis, who's the director oh, yeah, of this I forgot film, Zemeckis the way that. that he put this together, this, this um, I, not idea, what am I trying to say, vision yeah. of first contact is really interesting because it's not literal at all. It's more like 2001, you know, yeah. shit, where it's like, I don't know what's happening right now. It looks like, you know, some sort of fever dream or something like that that Jodie Foster is experiencing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, in that respect, I thought it was really interesting, a, a great way. They've got this big buildup, and it's a little preachy and whatnot. It's really preachy, and it's pretty boring, too. I mean, the, the staging and plotting, it just drags drags on for a long time. Right. I thought I, that movie had some real real. Pacing um, problems. Pacing issues, yeah. But, you know, I like the payoff. I like the payoff. The payoff was interesting. Thing. I will say that the direction they went with it and what they chose to do um, definitely had me. I mean, I was I was certainly fascinated by what they went with. Well, number three is actually uh, we've now entered the territory of Mr. Spielberg. And uh, if there's one movie that Paul draws from the most, uh, it's probably E.T., uh, the extraterrestrial. And, and uh, of course, Paul uh, is not... You know, uh, um, he he speaks English, obviously, mm-hmm. and he likes to smoke pot and sure. do a lot of other uh, crazy things, mm-hmm. and he throws caution to the wind all the time. But that's because he's been around since the '40s, uh, and he's uh, uh, in a fun little subplot. He's helped uh, the government with all kinds of things. He's he's been an advisor basically since oh, the really? '40s. Yeah, that's funny. So I don't want to go too far into that, but ET uh, is definitely referenced throughout the movie. And if you haven't seen ET and you're listening to this podcast. Um, then there's probably a really good reason why. <laughs> yeah, something, something happened, apparently. And, and you know, I, I just couldn't leave this off the list. I wanted to leave it off the list because it's known as this 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 kid's kind of fantasy movie, you know, uh, that just involves, you know, that, quote, other and space yeah. and, and all the kind of things that we don't really understand when we're growing up and we're children. Um, but I think the, the appeal is way wider than that. Yeah. It's it's a coming-of-age story. It's a fantasy film. It's about friendship. And a lot of the same themes in E.T. are explored in Paul, uh, although to uh, a different extent, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number two, actually, is one of my favorite sci-fi films of all time, and that is The Day the Earth Stood Still. The Keanu is, version? Of course, the Keanu version, because no, no, we don't, we don't, we don't like to talk about the Keanu version. And uh, although I think that was the most expensive McDonald's commercial I've ever seen because the fate of the world was decided in a McDonald's in that movie. I don't remember that. Yeah, that was insane. I, I blocked so much of that movie out. Like John Cleese? Yeah. Yeah, that I blocked was out John terrible. Cleese. Uh, I forgot that John Hamm was in it in, until we just mentioned it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about it. I, oh, Gort. Gort. What they did with Gort yep. turned him into a cloud of nanites. They just Ugh. ate through everything. The more or the, the the more you can forget about the 2008 version of The Day the Earth Stood Still, the better. Uh, what I'm uh, speaking of, of course, is the original version. 1951. 1951, where Michael Rennie plays Klaatu. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, there's that famous scene, which has been often imitated in other films and, and other projects since then, where... You know, the, the alien comes down, the, the flying saucer comes down, there's the, the big giant protector robot, which is Gort, and then he's, he's trying to speak to us, and he's trying to say, you know, hello, welcome, I'm from another world, and what happens? One of the military guys pops off a shot at him. So uh, everything goes, you know, haywire after that. They take him into custody. Yeah. And the whole reason he's Gort here... Gort lays waste to... Yeah, well, the whole reason he's here is to warn, uh, warn the Earth that if you continue... Your warring ways, 
we will destroy you. Actually, he doesn't come right out and say we'll just we'll destroy. He says there will be consequences. Right. And and you know so so right away we're now looking at a film that's not just about you know what would first contact be like but now we're going into this whole idea of the fate of the world and what we're doing to the world and it's really easy to imagine this kind of thing without the aliens even being there right where are we headed what are we doing to ourselves and yeah it's a big general statement and it's and you it's, know and it's also not too hard to put a religious spin on it either i mean sure you talked about contact i mean you could kind of do the same thing with Day the Earth Stood Still, a little, little different. I mean, you'd have to suspend a little more disbelief, but the whole idea of, you know, an omniscient viewer that comes down and issues a warning. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's got some biblical mirrorings. I guess. Yeah, and, and to a certain extent, there's a sacrifice yeah. in the film um, without ruining too much. But the great thing about it is that even though it was filmed way back then, you can watch it now, and, and I think the themes are still very... Very present. I think mm-hmm. they um, did a poor job of of trying to you know make it new in the in the 2008 version. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great idea of of a great vision of first contact and and uh, one that inspires you to think instead of just you know be scared. Yeah. You know. All right. So. Let's get to number one. Number one. Um, drum roll, please. No, I can't do that. Oh, okay. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Close Encounters of the Third Kind. What did you think, right? I mean, it has to be. You've got uh, Francois Truffaut uh, in the Spielberg movie as a scientist who is, uh, you know, preparing for this big arrival. You've got Richard Dreyfus who's running around with his mashed potatoes and his uh, Devil's Tower reference. And yeah. if you don't think there's a lot of E.T. and Close Encounters references in Paul, um, then you're not paying attention. Uh, is there a this means something moment in, in Paul? No, not what? really. Yeah, that would be like not really the first one I would go to. No, no. Paul leads them to somewhere very familiar, but I don't think there's any sort of uh, symbolic. This means something huh. uh, moment in the film. Weren't you telling me that Dreyfus really had to campaign for the role? Yes. Yeah. From from what I read uh, when I was researching for this top ten, the role was offered to a lot of big heavyweights, including Al Pacino, Jack Nicholson, <laughs> guys like that. And Dreyfus was just hounding Spielberg the whole time, saying, "Give me the role, give me the role, give me the role." And after all these other people turned it down, he eventually did get uh, the part, which I think is kind of perfect for for what he did because yeah. he he had that perfect mixture uh, mixture uh, of um, wonder and whimsy. Yeah, and I don't know <laughs> if I don't know if if those other guys could have pulled that off, but no, I mean he was he's a nerd, and he's yeah. it wouldn't know, have this, made any sense to have Jack Nicholson. You know, this means something. Like it, it wouldn't work with Jack Nicholson. You <laughs> well, know? you know, it was a lot easier for people to write off somebody like Richard Dreyfuss right. when he says something when like that. When he's meek and kind of nasally. Exactly. And, yeah. Instead yeah. of a Jack Nicholson or even, especially uh, Al Pacino. Yeah. God, can you imagine going from Serpico to <laughs> Close Encounters and you're yeah. supposed to believe that he's like a uh, hapless, lost it? See scientist. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, here's the two things I love more than anything else about Close Encounters are, are this. Number one, the spaceships. Yeah. Oh, my God. We have not seen special effects like this since then. Now everything is just computer-generated, and it's done. These were models. Yeah. These these models had lights on so them. So intricate. Reflections. So intricate. And, and they just felt tactile and real. You watch the movie now, it completely holds up, these special effects. And, and 
just like Jaws, you just see brief glimpses and moments enough to kind of oh, blow your mind and then they go away until the very end when you know it's kind of revealed. And then the other thing that I love about it is the very end of the film. Yeah. The moment when First Contact arrives and the idea that this can be done, this can be peaceful, uh, you know, just thinking about about the way that we would communicate with them. There's a there's a, a very famous scene with some notes that are being yeah. played and it just feels like this big experience, all these people gathered together. And it, it also feels to me like something that would happen in real life. It, it, it doesn't seem like uh, if aliens come to the world that it would be a big press conference like V, like right. the, the show V that's on, on TV right now, which I'm compelled to keep watching even though it is horrible. Really? I'm still watching it. I'm like two episodes behind, but I continue to watch it. I don't know why. I'm invested somehow. Anyway. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, if you haven't seen it. I really think it's the ultimate first contact movie. All right. Well, that's we're going to go. That's all we have. We, one movie. Next week is Sucker Punch, 10 o'clock. Uh, we will go. We will talk about it two days later. And will it, will it be good? I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Zack Snyder. Little girls, little girls being fetishized, totally fetishized. <laughs> I just, I just got the posters. Like I just got the email with all the posters. Yeah. Um, their names. Have you seen their names? Yes, I have. Baby doll, sweetie pie, main character, sweet pea or whatever. Baby doll, yeah. sweet pea, rocket. Yeah. Uh, it's a good time. Oh good. We'll tell you all about it next week. All right. Have a good weekend. Bye. Bye.